Thank you for joining us for the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. With me is Chris Gatolka. We at the Friends of Israel Today want to wish you a happy new year. We also want to remind you to visit foiradio.org to keep up on all that's happening in Israel. You can also hear nearly nine years of Friends of Israel Today teaching for free by visiting our archives page at foiradio.org. It's just a little New Year's gift from us to you to start your new year off on the right foot. Chris, we've selected a favorite past series to air this week and next. Yeah, we were talking about compromise last week. You know, compromise is one of those things where one person has to sacrifice something and another person has to sacrifice something to meet in the middle and compromise uh, to get something done. We see that a lot in the halls of Congress, maybe even in our marriages, we have to compromise in order to meet in the middle. But here's the thing, God never compromised his righteousness. God never compromised his holiness in order to bring us eternal life. He both maintained his righteousness and holiness in sending his one and only son, Jesus, to be born in Bethlehem. Now, last week we looked at the incarnation and that Jesus came and he was 100% human when he was born in Bethlehem. And that's extremely important. But today we're going to be looking at the divine side of the incarnation because Jesus was also 100% God. But first in the news, Menno Kalischer, pastor of the Jerusalem House of Redemption in Israel, along with his congregation, have been supplying basic needs for evacuated Israelis, congregation members in need, and Israeli soldiers during the war with Hamas. The congregation provided medicine, clothing for the troops, and nearly 120 military coverall snowsuits for military in the cold northern regions. Well, here's my take. Pastor Menno Kalischer and his congregation know what matters the most at this time, and it's the hope that only Christ can bring. He said recently, hearts have been open to the gospel since October 7th. Please pray, he says, that we will always put the gospel first, that we will remember that God is sovereign and he doesn't make mistakes and that we may use our time for his glory. Last week, we started a series on the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the moment God became man. And I mentioned last week that I was just having a discussion with a friend about the idea of compromise. And it led to the fact that uh, we were talking about the idea that God never compromises on his holiness. You know, Compromise is an agreement that is reached between two people or two parties, and each side, each party, has to make a concession. But as my friend and myself were talking about compromise, you know, it started to come to me about this this idea of compromise when it comes to salvation. You know, you, you would think that it would take tons of compromise to get God to accept a sinner as a saint. I mean, how else can a holy God who knows no sin, who is perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful, righteous, clean, and holy, accept someone who's full of sin and shame, who is limited in his knowledge and ability, who is unrighteous, who is unclean and unholy? Well, if you want to know what the Christmas story is all about, if you want to get down to the meaning of Christmas, it's this. God didn't compromise anything. God's character, his holiness, all of it prevents him from compromising. Christmas is all about how God provided a way to both maintain his holy, righteous standards and at the exact same time, mend a relationship, reconcile a relationship between him and his creation without compromising a thing. See, to me, compromise is when two parties reach that agreement and make a concession. 
But what's really important to understand is this. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift that was given that cost God something. It was something that God had to sacrifice. A compromise in God's eyes with salvation isn't just this thing that's wasted. It's it's a sacrifice that God makes, uh, a complete sacrifice. You do nothing. He does everything. And, and the gift that God gave cost him everything. And since God didn't compromise, he becomes both the just and the justifier. I'm going to say that again because that's so important. Since God didn't compromise, he becomes the just and the justifier. That means he's the one who is both right and holy, and he's also the one who can make right and make holy. And he does this through the incarnation of Jesus, the Messiah, when God became man. Uh, The the incarnation of Jesus is all about how he functions both 100% human and 100% God. See, the thing to understand is this, is Jesus isn't 50% human, 50% God. He is 100% human and 100% God. And last week we focused on the humanness of Jesus. And we looked at why it's so important, why why that was so important, why it was vital for God to become man. But see, this week we're going to focus our attention on the divinity of the Messiah. And last week we started off with Romans 1 with the incarnation. And I want to go back there. You know, the Apostle Paul argues that understanding this concept of the incarnation is at the heart of what the gospel is all about. And just listen to what Paul says in the beginning of Romans 1. From Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. This gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was a descendant of David with reference to the flesh. We talked about that last week, the reference to the flesh part, who was appointed the son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the other half of what we're talking about. At the center of the gospel is the understanding that Jesus, 100% human, and 100% God. And and did you hear what Paul said? That Jesus, who was predicted and promised in the Old Testament, is both, both flesh and he is God as well. He was validated to be God because of his resurrection. His resurrection is what what essentially gives him the authority to say, I am God. There's no other human in history that died and laid in the grave for three days and then resurrects and comes back to life in a glorified form. When Jesus resurrects from the dead, he's showing the people of Israel, he's showing us even in the church today, that the words and the things that he did in his life in the flesh are validated because he is God. He is the one who resurrected. And today we're going to focus on this divinity aspect of Jesus's incarnation. It's interesting because Paul says that Jesus's humanity and divinity were predicted in the Old Testament. And so we're going to go back to an Old Testament passage that I think is fitting for the Christmas season, one that we looked at last week as well. And it's the passage in Micah that was uh, prophetically pointing where the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem. Listen to Micah 5.2. But you, 
O Bethlehem Ephrata. And Ephrata, don't get confused by that, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrata. Ephrata is just the name it was before it was called Bethlehem. It was called Ephrata. Uh, you can see that actually in the book of Genesis when when Rachel, um, uh, uh, Jacob's wife, dies and he buries her in Ephrata, which is actually Bethlehem. So, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, there is a lot of prophecy that's packed into this little verse. And what stands out the most is that the Messiah, the King of Israel, would be born in Bethlehem. This human, this human being would rule over Israel. But notice the end of the verse here, the the last section of the verse. It says this, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. One translation says, whose origins are in a distant, in the distant past. And another translation says, his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Look, Micah is saying, while the future ruler would be born in Bethlehem, his origins are from eternity. And I think it's interesting that when you study the gospel of Matthew and Luke, they do an amazing job of detailing the history and the narrative of Jesus's physical birth on earth. But if you notice, when you get to the gospel of John, he's not talking about Mary and Joseph in John chapter one. Instead, John wants to show us the other side of Jesus that appears in Micah. He wants to highlight the divinity of Jesus. According to John, Jesus is the one who spoke all things into creation. You know, I'm sure this Christmas season you received a Christmas card that said something like this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given from Isaiah 9-6, where Isaiah talks about the coming of the Messiah. And do you remember remember what it says after that? It says the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week, we looked at Isaiah 9-6, and we talked about the fact that the Messiah, who is 100% human, gives off the picture here in, the, in, in Isaiah 9-6 and 7 of one whose the government would rest on his shoulders, that there's a human side to that. But then Isaiah, just like Micah and just like the Gospels, give the picture of both 100% humanity and at the same time, 100% divinity, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Friends, Jesus isn't just a hundred percent man. He's a hundred percent God. And God came down for a reason. When we return, we're going to look at why it's so vital that Jesus, the Messiah, and remember Jewish people weren't expecting the Messiah to be divine. They weren't expecting him to be God. They were expecting to be 100% man, but not 100% God. We're gonna explain why it was important for Jesus to be God, that Jesus is God. So be sure to stick around. At the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, we want you to be equipped to share the gospel wherever you are. One of the greatest tools for sharing the message of Jesus is to show how he fulfilled the prophecies spoken about him hundreds of years before his birth. Isaiah 53 is one of those powerful prophecies that speaks clearly of Jesus as God's suffering servant who would give his life for ours. In Victor Buxbazen's book, Isaiah's Messiah, Dr. Buxbazen masterfully answers the all-important Jewish question of who did the prophet speak. 
Dr. Buxbazen shows how Isaiah 53, a section of the Bible never read in synagogue, speaks unequivocally of Jesus. This easy to read book will give you the confidence you need to answer any question a Jewish person may have about Jesus. To order your copy of Israel's Messiah, visit our website, foiradio.org, or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. We're talking about that divine moment in human history when God became man. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus the Messiah, 100% man, 100% God. And the birth of Jesus is God's way of saying that he's not compromising his holiness to welcome sinners into a relationship with him, but that in his grace, in his mercy, in his kindness that you see all throughout the scriptures, God is actually willing to sacrifice everything on his own to reconcile and redeem his creation. And so in the previous segment, we we unpacked a little bit about the divine side of the incarnation. We did that by looking at Micah chapter five, verse two, where we saw Micah gives us a picture of the humanity of the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem. But at the same time, that Micah leaves us with a little hint that this isn't just a mere man that's born in Bethlehem, but that the Messiah who will be born in Bethlehem is both man and God. And then on top of that, the Apostle John writes his gospel and shows us, wants us to see that Jesus wasn't created in Bethlehem, but that he had always existed, that Jesus is God. And even though Matthew and Luke give us a human side of his birth, John gives us a divine side of who Jesus is. But even in Matthew and Luke, you can see a divine side of Christ's birth. When an angel of the Lord announces to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so even in the gospel of Matthew and Luke, which highlights the physical birth of Jesus, you have the gospel writers showing that Jesus's birth isn't usual. This is different. Matthew shows that Jesus was conceived from the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you some points to understand why it was important for Jesus to be divine. Number one, think about this. Uh, It's important for us to know that Jesus is divine, uh, that he is God, because when he stoops down and washes his disciples' feet, you see that even in Jesus's divinity, He reveals that God is compassionate and merciful and loving, that that the creator of heaven and earth is the same God who cares about you and me on a unique level, that he stoops down to our level to interact with us. That shows us that God is both capable of sustaining all things in, in the universe that all of this, the whole universe is functioning just as God, it's not chaotic, it's functioning just the way God wants it to function because he created it. And yet at the same time, God reaches down uh, and shepherds us on an individual level. That, that's amazing to think about this Christmas season, that, that Jesus is, in Jesus' divinity, his servanthood, the idea that Jesus says to us, I did not come to Uh, to be served, but to serve. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. This idea that the Messiah, the king of the universe, the king of Israel is the same one who stoops down 
to wash our feet is such an amazing concept to think of that Jesus loves you that much. God loves you that much that he would serve you. The king of the universe would serve you. Second, you know, Jesus's divinity is what enables him uh, to do his miracles. Jesus isn't walking on water. Uh, He's not transfiguring in front of his disciples or raising people from the dead because he's 100% man. No, it's because he's 100% God. Oftentimes, Jesus's miracles that he would do in his divinity were used as a way to show the, 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 the people of Israel, the Jewish people at that time, the religious leaders, that he actually bears authority. He teaches with authority, and the words that he says matter because he is God. He is the one in charge of everything. And finally, folks, if you remember last week, we said one of the reasons Jesus needed to be 100% human was to fulfill his mission to be our sacrificial substitute. He needed to die because at the same time, to make the sacrifice eternal, he needed to be God. See, so for there to be a sacrifice, Jesus had to be human. Someone had to die. God had to become human in order to fulfill the sacrifice. But at the same time, that sacrifice needed to be something different than any other sacrifice. See, Jesus's divine nature of that sacrifice makes it an eternal sacrifice. And and the writer of Hebrews says this about it. Listen, he says this, for if the blood of goats and bulls provided ritual purity, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself up without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God? Friends, this is so important. The sacrifices of the Old Testament were limited in their nature. But see, Jesus' death on the cross is both eternal and effective. Jesus' sacrifice purifies our conscience to serve a living God. And folks, the sacrifice of Jesus being 100% human and 100% God provides the way for sinners to become saints through faith alone without God ever compromising his holiness. And let me leave you with this, my friends. Only God, only God could solve the issue of sin. That's exactly what he did through the incarnation of Jesus. God never compromised his character for us. Instead, he sacrificially gave what mattered to him the most, his son. And through his son, he provides a way through faith alone to have a relationship with him. So if you're ever wondering this Christmas season, does God really care? If you're feeling lonely this Christmas season, or even if you're beginning to doubt if God exists, this Christmas season, remind yourself that God loves you so much that he would reach down into a sinful world and provide a way to be with him, a gift we could never pay back. So accept it with joy this Christmas season. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be ready in season and out of season to tell people of our hope, 2 Timothy 4.2. We must always be prepared to witness for him because we never know whom the Lord may send across our paths. Recently, 
one of our neighbors came to ask us many questions about our faith. She said, I want to know how you came to believe in him. I was delighted to give her my testimony. She continued to visit, and each time she asked if I knew others who believed in the Lord and how they had come to believe in him. One day I asked, Are you here to draw close to the Lord or to investigate me? She answered very sincerely, I am truly interested in knowing how you came to your faith in the Lord. I gave her a Bible and said, Take this home and read it. She accepted the Bible and left. About five hours later, her husband knocked on my door. Please do not give my wife any more of this poison, he said as he handed me the Bible. I told him, I only want to help her find the truth. If this is poison, then what is the truth? He was very unhappy and said, I work against Christian missionaries in Israel and against all Jews like you who believe in Jesus, the apostates. Then you have come to the right place. Oh, no, he said. I would never fight against you because we are neighbors. I told him, if you think what I am doing is against the law, feel free to bring other members of your organization. The prophet Isaiah wrote, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The Lord may enable your friends to believe what you refuse to believe. He became very serious and said, You could be killed if I did what you are suggesting. I replied, But I will not be alone. I reminded him that God told Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and all of his servants not to fear, because he would be with them and would protect them. And so it will be with me, I assured him. He said, You may not be afraid, but I am. If I tell them that because you are my neighbor I do not fight against you, I will probably lose my job. I have lost my job many times because of my faith in the Lord, I told him, and I have been in more dangerous situations than I can remember. However, I have never lost my hope in the Lord, because he has told us in his word, do not be afraid of them. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. The man then left my home. The next day his wife visited again. She seemed more self-confident than she had before. I asked, Are you not afraid to come here? She replied, I have no fear. My husband knows where I am, and he told me he will not inform his superiors about you. Now please, tell me more about the Lord. I praise God for this woman, for her courage and her desire to know about the Lord. I am praying she will come to know him as her Messiah and Savior. And I am also praying that her husband may one day yield his life to him. Chris, as we wrap up today's program, 
Any final thoughts as we close this year? I've had such a good time this year. You know, one of the things that excites me the most is being able to teach the Bible from a Jewish perspective, to remind our listeners that the Bible is a Jewish book from beginning to end. It's a Jewish book communicating the hope of the Jewish Messiah as the Jewish Messiah ministers to the entire world, just as it's gone back to Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, that through Abraham, through the Jewish people, all the families of the earth would be blessed. That's been the heart of what I believe we've been doing here at the Friends of Israel today. But the other side of our ministry that I get very, very excited about is that we're not just wanting to share with you about what's going on in Israel. We want to give you, our listeners, opportunities to connect with Israel. That is what gets me the most excited. Thank you, Chris. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone, edited by Jeremy Strong, who also composed and performs our theme music. Our mailing address is FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Bellamar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Bellamar, New Jersey, 08099. Our web address is foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Or you can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry, proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah, while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. 